Welcome back to another Noodleberg Daily Huddle, post-Father's Day celebration, Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Shay. Great to see you guys. Good morning. How was your Father's Day? Mine was fantastic. We, uh, Aside from the rain early in the morning, but Gabby let me sleep in a little bit and got up and walked the dog and did the morning wake up with Jules like I would normally do. So I got a little bit extra sleep. Then we went to church. Then we went to uh, we went to brunch at Dune, which was great. The rain parted, sun came out, got to sit on the beach. It was a little warm, but it was a blast. And then I uh, got a great Sunday of conversation. Got to talk to my got Facetime with my dad, who's on the boat with Kai. Then got to grant uh, Facetime with my grandfather, and nice. then got to watch the end of the U.S. Open. So it was uh, just a fantastic Sunday. What'd you awesome. uh, well, I didn't celebrate myself, um, but <laughs> mean. <laughs> although <laughs> I said I have been mother and father, right? Uh, but uh, but no, we celebrated Mike. We were we were at a conference hall weekend for Leadership Florida at the Boca Raton, which, by the way, is absolutely magnificent. Uh, you could see some of the pictures there of our team. My, some of my class, Patrick won, was one of the winners of the karaoke contest. And then, of course, all of the family uh, together, the kids with Mike and everything. The guy in the middle there uh, is the CEO of Coca-Cola uh, of the South region. South, oh, wow. South, wow. Southeast region of the country. So not just Florida. But, but based out of Atlanta? Uh, no, actually based out of, I believe he's in Tampa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very cool. But um, but it's a it's, yeah, Father's Day is always a hard day for those of us that don't have our dads anymore. Um, and last night I sat down at the end of the day and actually wrote a letter to my dad and I posted oh, it on Facebook. That, so that's really cool. The Rock actually said something like that because The Rock lost lost his dad. And after he had already posted about Father's Day, he put out another one saying, like, hey, for those of you who are like me and can no longer wish your dad a happy father's day you know it's it's good to remember and he kind of gave his thoughts on it and his perspective on it but uh yeah you know i was i you know my reflection brought me to not only i'm, I'm fortunate i have a father who was a very active father in my life i still have him in my life obviously but there were a lot of male figures in my life who played father figure roles right like my mom got remarried to my stepdad jim he was an amazing stepdad and still a, a father figure in my life. I reached out to a mentor of mine, Eddie Grant, and wished him a happy Father's Day and said, hey, thank you for being a father figure in my life. So, you know, just because you're not somebody's actual father doesn't right. mean you can't play that role. And it's a, it's a super important role. I mean, we're finding out more and more through research and through as time goes on, the importance of a male figure in some in, in in a young person's life, so I was super grateful. Shay, how was your Father's Day? Uh, well, I did not sleep in because Chanel said no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Chanel said we're having a tea party. 
Right. <laughs> and they even freaking matched their clothes in the tea party. Okay. Trans- transition Danielle. to a transition to a tea party and then uh, a uh, early lunch or late lunch slash dinner at our local spot, the Honor Bar in Palm Beach, which is always a good little spot. Beautiful. And, uh, that's it. Nice. That's awesome. Well, Lori, as we always like to do when it's just you and I, we are going to talk all things yeah. leadership today. I've, I've pulled some some recent videos off of social media from some of my favorite football coaches, and uh, it's going to be great topics for us to discuss. So happy belated Father's Day to everybody out there. Hope you had a great weekend. Let's wake this thing up and then let's get started. So the first topic of conversation is going to be setting expectations, which I think is super appropriate coming off of Father's Day weekend. Not that it's necessarily just the father's role to set expectations, but it's the parent's job. It's the leader's job. It's the person who is taking, you know, taking control of the direction of the group, the family, whoever it is to set expectations. And I've got a great video from Coach Prime's recent post. Shay, show me the video about uh, setting expectations. Want it all? People whatever. are gonna. Well, and I think again, there there are people that they believe that this is just gonna like overnight. What know, do you mean by you win a national championship overnight? What 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 what? Why not think like that? Listen, I would love to think like that. Why not I, think like I that? I also know in, in my profession, Coach, I know that a plus four or five in the win column is a drastic improvement. Not for me. I don't think like that, man. I want it all. I don't want to sip. <laughs> Maybe I want it all. So, so Coach Prime, for those of you who don't follow football, right, he's taken over the University of Colorado that had one win last year. And he's sitting down with Joel Klatt, who's a, a college football analyst, right? He's a, a former player. And he says to Prime, you know, like people think that it's just going to happen overnight. And his response is, why not? And he won't even tolerate listening to Joel Klatt give him something else, give him any kind of other expectation than to win a national championship next year. Lori, what are your thoughts on that? Because, look, in reality, that's almost impossible, right? The percentage of that happening is so very, very small. But – what Coach Prime is thinking. So what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think um, if you aren't thinking that that's the goal, that that's the expectation, you ain't never going to hit it. Right. Right. I mean, so if you may not, it may be impossible, but if you're not going for it, you know, I wrote, I said to you a few minutes ago that I wrote a letter to my dad last time. My dad was a coach. He was an athlete, professional athlete. My dad said, you play, you play to win. You go in there with 110%, you're all in. 
no matter what. Doesn't matter whether it's the hardest team in the in the league. It doesn't matter what it is. You go in with the expectation that you are going all in and you're going in to win. So well, I, the idea that our behaviors follow our thoughts, right? right. And so you're it's self-sabotage. If you don't believe, if you don't have that conviction that you can do it, then you're already beat. You might as well not even go out there and try to do it. You might as well not even go into the season, regardless of how hard. And so for the leaders that are out there that are responsible for an organization, you may take, like I took over plenty of football teams that I watched the tape as, as we were walking in and going, this team is atrocious. We don't have any talent. We have no talent. We've got three guys on our team that are going to be able to provide some kind of high level of ability for us. We don't have it. That didn't mean at the beginning of the year, I said, well, we're just going to go ahead and lose every game this year, and then we'll start over again next year. You had to build the conviction and, and go into work every day that we were going to do everything we could to try to win. And but, so for those of you that are looking at it, well, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but you have to be ready to face the fact that you might not. And some people don't like to take risks and some people are afraid to take risks. So it's easier. It's safer to say, we're just going to try to get to here this year because our mm. team is atrocious. Right. right. We're not going to go for this. Right. So because then you can say, oh, we did it. Right. We didn't fail. We, we did not get there. So it's part of it is about being safe, I think. So, but so like, is it possible, is it really possible to build an organization that way? Because if you stay in the safe zone, right. And you say, oh, we're only going to get to here. And you say that your plan is to incrementally get to here, get to here, get to here. Do you ever actually really get there? Because aren't you limiting the, the, the capability or the belief of the organization itself by doing that? Or the potential of the team members, right? So I don't believe in that. So that's not my right. who I am. Right. Uh, me, I'm going for it. If we don't hit it, we don't hit it. But we're going to do everything we damn well can to hit it. Do you right? think this translates to you as an individual? Like, okay, what if I'm not a leader? What if I'm just talking about myself? Like, I think that this is why Dion has been as good as he's been at everything he does in his entire career. Because that's how he thought about himself all the time first before he started affecting other people around him. Do you believe that? Oh, I believe, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, listen, I it's who I am, right? It's my DNA. That's just who I am. You go for it, right? But that's how I was brought <laughs> up. That's how I, it's maybe it's me genetically. It's a combination, right? Nurture, nature, we always talk about that. Um, nurture nature, I think it's just part of who I am, my personality. And, and so, and, and, and so, so that to me, like is the, the, why not mentality as you're thinking about yourself going, why not? The other question is, is it reasonable to expect that from people? Is, is it a reasonable expectation? And Mike Tomlin put out an unbelievable video of him addressing the Pittsburgh Steelers as they are heading out into their season Show me Mike Tomlin talking about reasonable expectations. Man, in the growth and development of this thing, man, I'm talking to you about norms, expectations, mindsets, mindsets that you should have. And it's always good to acknowledge reasonable expectations. 
I expect you to get better in all areas, man, whether it's the, the knowledge relative to what it is that you do, the maintenance and the preparation of your body, the understanding of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to continually be a guy on the rise. That is a reasonable expectation, as opposed to just coming in here putting in time. What do I mean by that? I mean the things that made you viable in the past aren't going to be the things that make you viable moving forward. You better be continually getting better as long as you sitting in rooms like this. I ain't doing my job if I'm not pointing that out. You guys that have been here and know what it's about, man, we expect you to be significantly better. Hear the words. You were a young guy, man, we might have tolerated mental errors a year ago. We'll have less tolerance for it moving forward. It's just a reasonable expectation. And so let's just be really transparent, man, about expectations in this business, about how competitive it is. I never want you worrying about people on the outside, even the man sitting next to you. This is a man versus himself battle. You got to be continually pressing to get better with that understanding that this is a highly competitive line of work that we're in. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Can I, can I just show that to my team? There are you absolutely you can, and you should, there's no doubt. I think, you know, I don't think leaders do that enough. I think they rely on themselves too much to preach the message. And I don't think they pull in enough outside influence to say, Hey, I'm not the only one. Look at another organization. Look at another industry. Look at somebody else who's trying to create a high-performance environment and look at what they're talking about. It's no different than what I'm saying. You know, I also think that as leaders, and I'm probably guilty of this too, sometimes we're so clear and we're so focused on the expectations or the goals that are metrics, right? KPIs, right? Um, right? That the, the tangible uh, yeah, goals as opposed to the behaviors, right? Um, those expectations. Uh, and it's interesting because I just told my chief of staff that in July, when we start our new fiscal year, I want to have a town hall, for mm. lack of a better word, with our team. And a lot of it, most of it, was not to talk about KPIs. We have our scorecards. Everybody knows we'll go over those, right? But even more importantly, I want to talk about expectations of who I expect, right? Who and what I expect from the team, what they can expect from me. Well, so and that to me is like, there's Mike Tomlin has a very clear idea. So does Deion Sanders about what he wants his organization to look like, what kind of people he wants inside of that organization. And so for anybody in that room who's going, well, you know what? I'm not willing to get continuously better. Number one, you probably don't want that kind of person on your team anyway. But number two, it's an immediate alert to them that they're not going to fit in here. Right. And and it speak, and you said it so perfectly. It speaks to behavior, not to outcome. And that to me is understanding process. That to me is understanding what's going to get us to get there. Not worried about winning the championship because like Dion said, the championship is the goal. And if you're not willing to say that, then you shouldn't be in front of the room. Just because the championship's the goal, if you're not holding yourself accountable to the daily behaviors that then get you there, 
which Mike Tomlin talked about, continuously being a guy on the rise. And it doesn't matter what it was that you did last year. Whatever got you where you were, to, whatever got you to here is not going to be what gets you to the next level. It's not going to be the accepted behavior. We expect everybody in this room to continuously be on the rise or be trying to continuously be on the rise, which that's a challenge to yourself individually to be able to do that. And kudos to him for saying that's our standard of behavior that we want to have here. How do you- I agree. By the way, I yeah. just want to go back one second because for us or for in sports, when we're recruiting, that's the time first. That's the first step of setting clear expectations. So if you aren't letting people know that that's what you expect and what they can expect from you, I listen, my team does the interviewing and the recruiting for the technical part of the job or whatever. Sure. When they get to me, yeah. it's about the culture that we're creating. It's about what we expect from them. You're going to work hard. Well, right? so it's interesting what you can expect from us. Because you use the word culture, and that to me is what culture means. You were like, sometimes as leaders, we get so caught up in the numbers and the metrics. Numbers and metrics are not culture. Rewards and outcomes, wins, losses are not culture. Culture is the behavior that your organization, that each individual embodies on a day-to-day basis, which that to me is you could have all of the buzzwords you want in the world as your core values and your beliefs and what you do. If you don't translate that into the expected behavior from people every day, nobody knows what your culture is. Nobody understands how to actually fit into your culture or what the expectation is. Because just because you say loyalty, loyalty, loyalty may mean something different to me than it does to you. And so defining words that are great words, strong words, loyalty, accountability, right? Positivity, all words that people use in their organizations. If you don't define what that looks like inside of your business on a daily basis, nobody else has an idea on how to get there. So, so, so what I would say, so I think as a leader, right, it's our responsibility and the bigger your organization gets, the harder it gets is to hold everybody accountable to that behavior. So if I have a team of three people, much easier for me to hold everybody accountable to that behavior than if I'm a CEO of an organization that's got 1500 people. So talk to me about being at the top of the organization and how you create accountability to behavior all the way down the line. Well, the first thing is you better be modeling it. Mm. Okay. So that's number one. Um, So I think you've got to be setting the example always. Right. Um, and so that's number one. Number two, I would say uh, for me, one of the th- again, it goes back to recruitment. I'm very upfront about who I am as a leader, what I expect, what we expect um, and what they can expect from us. So so if you're very clear from the beginning, somebody knows, oh, I don't think I'm going to fit in here. Right. Because she's going to expect the best out of me. Mm-hmm. Um they know my pet peeves. I tell them that too. Um, so I'm very upfront in the interview. So what happens when you miss? Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's no, perfect. And, um, and doing that is great, but you're still going to get people who lie to themselves throughout that entire process and then get in and start getting held accountable to that. 
and are in the wrong seat, what happens then? Um, well, I mean, listen, a lot of times I'm not the one who's having the conversation directly because I don't want to micromanage or right. Sure. They, they have direct reports. So so that's happening there, although I'm always talking with the senior people of about HR, right? Mm -hmm. Who's who's doing well, right? Who's struggling? But I do one-on-ones with every single team member. Now we're still small enough, I guess you could say, for me to do that. It's a lot of time. So I do it twice a year. Don't politic with me, Lori. I want to get to the I want to get to the nitty-gritty right here. I'm talking about when you have a manager, you have a director, you have mm -hmm. somebody that says we've hired the wrong person. Oh. And I know this within 30 days. I know immediately mm. this is the wrong person. What happens? Well, we're not the best at that. Ah, good for you. Good <laughs> so, for you. I mean, quite oh. honestly, we are not the best at it. Um, I and part of that is me. I always want to make sure I'm one of those people that has to be able to look in the mirror and say, I, I did everything I could possibly do to help yes. that person succeed. Yep. Right. Or yep. I did everything I could to make this relationship work, whatever it is. I, I need to be able to say that before I can walk away. I and so that. sometimes that takes a little longer. Yeah. Right. So we tend to take a little longer because look, if somebody's done something illegal, unethical, whatever, right, that's a different story. Different. Yeah. But if someone different. is kind of there and they're on the border and they're in, they're half in, we have those discussions and we talk about it and we put them on a corrective action plan. But I'm always going to give them my best and I'm going to give them every chance to succeed. If they really can't, then at the end of the day, you have no choice. You have to make the cut. So, Melissa, you know, I keep trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's great. It's great. As a leader, you want, and I agree with you, Lori, you want to know, you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, we exhausted every opportunity right. to get this person to fit in, especially if you have a hiring system or hiring process that really weeds out as much of the miss as you could possibly get to. But ultimately, you have to be willing to fire. And if your organization causes you to hold on to people longer than you should hold on to them, then it is almost impossible to move through people fast enough to develop the kind of organization that you want to have. Jules right. is fired up. Jules hears me <laughs> through the door and, and is seconding that. But, but it's the truth. And so this was the hard part about college football was when you sign somebody to a scholarship, essentially you're locked into them for four years, a long time. And I've been dealing with a few organizations down here that have talked about some of their recent failures and have said part of the problem is we're not able to move through people fast enough. Once we decide to hire, it becomes a 10, 11 month process to then get out of a bad hire. Right. And so- if you look at sports, they're not employees of the organization. They're not. They're independent contractors. Everybody's signed. Now you can treat them as employees. There's a whole conversation around all of that. But ultimately, they're all signed individual contracts. They're all independent contractors that are held responsible to a certain number, certain expectation, whatever it is. If you can operate your organization that way, it's a huge benefit to being a small business to being able to stay agile because instead of hiring people into a W2, into a, I'm protecting you, hire people as independent contractors, hire people and say, Hey, I'm still willing to give you benefits. I'm still willing to give you packages and money the way that you want to be compensated. 
But here's the expectation. And so if in the first 30 days we figure out that you're not willing to meet expectation of our group, which we feel like are reasonable expectations, you're able to move on quickly. But I'm going to, so I'm going to ask you this question. So when you're in a relationship, you start dating someone. Yeah. My experience has shown that it takes five, six months before someone's true colors start coming out, right? You're on your best behavior yeah. the first few months, okay? Sure. Right? Because you really yeah. like the other person and you want them to think you're all perfect and right, you're the right one. And all of a sudden, about five, six months in, you start to see some of those things, right, that you might not be so crazy about. Yep. Why is it that it's a month or two months? So I guess my question is, you know, what's the right amount of time? I don't know that I would say that there is a, you have to do it in this amount of time. I would never say, I would never give a hard deadline. I'd right. say 90 days is always a good test run. Yeah, we have a 90-day probationary period. 90 right? days is always a good test run. But the thing that let the, the to me, the things that happen in 30 days are what are your non-negotiables? What are what are your absolute, not necessarily HR law breaking, but what are your behavioral non-negotiables that you say, and I take it back to, to the good, bad, and ugly, right? What are the things you talk, what are the things you're looking for that are the good behaviors? What are the things that are the bad behaviors that you're willing to coach people through? And what's the ugly behavior? What are those uglies that you go, this is non-negotiable. We don't talk. We don't tolerate assholes. We don't tolerate lazy well, people. Well, you know my, my board uh, criteria. Number right. four is no assholes, it's, right? No assholes. So that to me is if you saw that within the first 30 days, you'd immediately go, there's no coaching that. That is what it is. We got to move on problem is it takes people too long to move on from it, which they don't understand the ripple effect of having that person in the room for that long. The toxicity, toxicity, the poisoning of the water that happens when you found somebody that fits that. Lori, we went way over time today. 825. We always do when we talk leadership because we could keep talking about this for like for hours. And I'm going to tell you, this is another whole show, but one of the expectations of mine is authenticity. Right. Okay. If you're not telling me that something's up, I can't freaking fix it. So that's so my expectation is you're going to be straight and honest with me, just like I'm going to be straight and honest with you coming from a place of wanting us to be the best workplace, right. And the best organization, yep. but you got to be honest. And it is my biggest pet peeve. And <laughs> there's very few people who meet that expectation. Amen. I got to tell you. Amen. So, Lori, thank you for kicking off the week with a great leadership conversation. We did not get to motivational morning music, so we're going to end with morning motivational music because it's a tribute to Father's Day and all the fathers out there. Have a great start to your week. Can't wait to see you guys tomorrow. Steve will be back in the pilot seat. Cannot wait. Lori, you're joining us again tomorrow? I think I'm now every Tuesday. No, every Tuesday. We will see you tomorrow. Everybody have a great start to your week. Let's finish it with motivational music. And if you're off, have a great day off. Right. Yeah.